Good afternoon and welcome to Miss Washington's podcast. Today's podcast is going to be called, What Are You Serving for Dinner? So today I'm going to be serving learning and learning styles. We're going to be talking about your learning environments and different participatory active learning environments um, with Dale and Shrams and Gagnon's theory and just things of that nature. So just sit back and relax and enjoy the podcast. So let's get straight into it. What does it mean when someone call you an average learner? Would you like it if someone just says that you're average? Average at anything. You're an average chess player. Or you're an average math, a math student or an average baseball player. So if someone categorized you as just average, how would that make you feel? Well, first of all, they're putting you in this small category as if you can't do any better. Well, when we do that with our students, we're not giving them the potential to be better or to do better because we're just saying that they're average. So we're not setting the standards of them to do better because once we instill in them that they're just average, then that's the kind of mentality that they will have because they will just be like, oh, I'm average. I'm average. Average? See, average? You can do better than that. Everyone can do better than that. It may be challenging, but you can do better. So one video that we had to watch, um, the lady, she was saying that there's no such thing as a learning style, that you have a learning style. There may, there may be a certain way that you like to learn, but there's that's not the only way you can learn. So for instance, some people may be, well, may like to learn, be an auditory auditory learner but there's not you don't have to learn just that way and some people may be hands-on some people may be a textile learner but that doesn't mean that's the only way that you learn so she did a study and she came to find out that that's not the case that you are that's the way that you learn or that that's the only way that you learn. That means you may choose to learn that way or you learn best that way. So for instance, she gave an example about if she gave like cards and said, put them in, the, in this order, put them in the order that you saw them in. Well, how would you do that if you only listen? That's auditory. You would have to visually see those cards to know which order they were in. And so for instance, if she said, Say these car, say these words in the order that I spoke them in. Then you will have to hear them. So that's what it is. So if you if you, some things you have to see, some things you have to um, be able to do hands on. Because if I said if we were working on a car and I just said put the boat on put the boat on the tire using the ranch and that's all I said there are many things that you could do with that you would need to if you don't know anything about cars and this is your first time you would need to be shown that or you would need somebody to show you 
So people who say that they are auditory learners, for me just saying that, you would not know what to do unless you knew a little bit about cars. So the next thing is, um, so Todd Rose gave us an example of the average shoe size. He was talking about the average shoe size is 8.5. And that's what they tried to say, that if the average shoe size for a sprinter, to be a great sprinter, was an 8.5. And if you had, if your foot was bigger than an 8.5, then you would, you wouldn't be a great sprinter. Well, of course, there was studies shown and also, um, Hussein Bolt was the fastest man or is the fastest man in America. He proven that to be wrong because his shoe size is a size 13. So um, a whole bunch of shoe technology um, was made, but it's made for all different kinds of shoe sizes. If, but if we if we um, was to stick to the average shoe size um, for just shoe technology, then it wouldn't work for, well, they would lose out a lot of money because there's a lot of people, men and women, that have feet that's bigger than an 8.5. And to get to the different theories. So, Gangnam Theory identifies major categories of learning, verbal, well, five major categories of learning. There's verbal information, intellectual skills, cognitive strategy, motor skills, and attitudes. And then inside those theories, they're, they're outlined nine instructional events and corresponding cognitive processes. So within doing the theory, it breaks it down as like, the first one is gaining attention. So, and then the second one is informing learners of the objective. The third one is stimulating recall of prior learning. The fourth one is presenting the stimulus. The fifth one is providing learning guidance. The sixth one is eliciting performance. The seventh is providing feedback. The eighth one is assessing performance. And the ninth one is enhancing retention and transfer. So if you put that into... um. If you put that into, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Oh, like, like, okay, for lack of words, if you, like an example, like if a teacher was wanting to um, use this and and like they want to go. They were trying to use this as an example, and she was going to show first for the first step. She would show triangles, right? And then for identifying the objects, she would you first she would pose a question and ask, okay, which is the equilateral triangle? Okay, the class will answer. Well, then the third one is to recall prior learning. So the re- you have to review the definition of a triangle. Like, okay, what is a triangle? And then re- review the definitions of a triangle. 
The fourth one is present stimulus. Give definitions of the equilateral triangle. And then the fifth one is guide learning. Show examples of how to create equilateral triangles. Then the sixth one is illicit per performance. Ask students to create five different examples. So they would draw five different things of an equilateral triangle. Then the seventh is provide feedback. So you would go around and you would, you know, tell them if it's, you know, right or wrong or, you know, if they need to work on it. And the eight, assess performance. Provide scores and remediation. And then nine is enhance retention transfer. Show pictures of objects and ask students to identify equilaterals. So you show maybe like three, four pictures and be like, okay, is this an equilateral triangle? Is this equilateral triangle? And then the Scram communication model. So you have an encoder and a decoder. So when the encoder is trying to send a message to the decoder, in the, there could be an interference within within a message that's trying to be sent or received. The interference can be an interruption with technology so far like so like the um like the Wi-Fi. There also could be um an interruption with like the kid a kid that has or a student therefore uh, a student that has a disability. And that's sometimes we have to take in, into consideration as educators whenever we're teaching, a child may have some form of disability and they may not be receiving the message or the lesson that we're trying to teach um, because there's a disability there. And when a kid acts out, it's not because they're not always, it's not always because they're trying to, you know, receive attention. Sometimes they're not really getting the message or they're not able to send the message that they are having trouble because of the disability, which is the interference. So they can't relay the message that they need to send. It's like, hey, I'm actually having trouble or hey, I didn't get enough sleep or you know, whatever the message needs to be, they can't relay that message properly because of the interference, which is the interference is the disability that they may have. So that's the Scram communication model. And that's my time for today. So what's for dinner? We're having learning environments and learning styles. So remember, you don't want average food, so you're not an average learner. Thank you for listening. This is Miss Washington. See you on the next episode.